You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome to the show. This is Extra Textual. I'm Eli Steenlinch, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. And with us once again is Colin. Um, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we did an episode on Wonder Woman, and we thought we could also talk about Alien Covenant, because Jeremy and I got to see it recently, and we heard uh, maybe Colin appreciated it a little bit more than we did. So we wanted to kind of discuss and break that down a little bit. I traditionally have been a pretty big fan of the Alien franchise, um, even in its its kind of ups and downs. We were talking before this, and we just discount the uh, Alien vs. Predator films, but the main, main yeah. four, and then moving into Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Uh, so specifically talking about Alien Covenant, which, again, give a little background, um, Ridley Scott kind of restarted up uh, the franchise after doing the original Alien and coming back to it. I think even for me, when Prometheus was originally announced, it was not really promoted as an Alien film directly. Um, pretty obvious that it was, but especially by the time it came out. But I think he was trying to frame it a little bit differently than just like the, a direct sequel to the other films. But now with Alien Covenant, he's kind of full on, this is an Alien film, we're just going for it. And and from the things that I've heard, he's kind of using a lot of the feedback from Prometheus to integrate some of that into Alien Covenant and and supposedly where he's going forward, making more Alien films after this. Um, seems what he's interested in in his in his late years, later years. But uh, so as as I kind of said. So Jeremy and I didn't have a great experience with the film, just to kind of point out so we're not making Colin kind of defend himself with this film, but uh, I thought it was kind of sloppy, didn't quite integrate the different elements the way it should, and, and for all the flack that Prometheus got for being kind of having stupidly written characters that do stupid things, I thought that uh, comparatively Prometheus maybe has two moments that happens, and Covenant is full of people doing stupid things that don't make sense um, or making decisions that, that don't really lead anywhere. I will say just quickly, and we can get into it more, the central kind of relationship between the two androids played by Mac- Michael Fassbender are definitely the strongest point for me. I mean, he in that role, I think he is amazing and really fascinating, but that was like the strongest point for me. Um, in a film full of great actors who don't get a chance to do interesting things. I mean, they, they put together just this great group of people that are really interested to me, interesting to me, and I've, I've, uh, I've liked in the past, but don't get to do much. Um, but that's kind of my yeah. I mean, for, one of the reasons. So the reason why we're recording this essentially is because yeah. um, I had uh, uh, I went to school with Colin years ago, yeah. and I really thought he was very smart. Um, and I came across him writing about hmm. some Wonder Woman stuff, and I was Did like, I Oh, well, you or what? Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just, I think it was through either discussion of that and setting up that Wonder Woman thing that Colin, we talked about Alien Covenant, and Colin's like, why well, I actually really liked it. Yeah. And I didn't really like it, but I was really intrigued because I was like, well, if Colin likes it, there's got to be... <laughs> there's something there's, more Yeah, you know, there's clearly something more um, that I'm missing or didn't appreciate. 
Um, but I, uh, from my perspective, I there were like uh, one of the things that Eli uh, did to me as well. He he sent me because we I didn't like Prometheus either, and he sent me this article that was like actually Prometheus is one of the boldest sci-fi films in recent memory. Um, uh, a web article which I you know I read and I was like oh like it. I mean there's there's a lot of what it highlighted was that there's a lot of really interesting and bold ideas, um, and it, it it isn't hackneyed. Um, it has a lot of novelty mm-hmm. and and has a lot of hard sci-finess in it. Um, I still I, and there's there's just for me there like the um, like the scene in Prometheus, which people talk about all the time, when like she's trying to run away from the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's like there's things for everyone that I think sort of like has them <laughs> fall out of like the the willing suspension of disbelief or entrance yeah. into the world, and it's moments like that that I like. I'm like, what just am run, I watching? Like sideways, yeah. Yeah, um, and I uh, we had talked before the show, um, uh, and Colin said that he he really enjoyed the Alien and Aliens, um, and those are like two like uh, two of my favorite mm. sci-fi ish films. Yeah. Um, and like I unabashedly love like the end of Aliens. Mm. Like I love I love Ripley taping her guns <laughs> together. I love her going into the belly of the beast. I love her fighting another woman for the fate of a small child that is <laughs> insignificant in the grand nature of things. I love that she fights her with that loader thing. Mm-hmm. I mean like it is like decadent wondrous film glory. Um, and and I and you know, like, uh, but when I was younger and didn't know much about film, I didn't know they were made by different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that Alien and Aliens were, yeah, yeah. you know, like totally two different visions of a sort of kind of place. Um, uh, and so I, uh, we, you know, I think I watched Prometheus before I knew Eli or when, you know, we didn't yeah, see it together. Um, and uh, we went to see, because there, there's a local theater here in town. Um, <laughs> In Fitchburg, that shows uh, you can get in on Tuesdays for half price. So we've been kind of like catching up on current films by going on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And um, after some finagling, we went to see Alien Covenant. And Eli, which is um, he's a, a subtle person, um, and <laughs> yeah, normally would say would normally often doesn't speak his mind in strong terms. Was like Jeremy, I'm, I'm really sorry I invited you to watch that film. <laughs> um, um, but I'm. But th- but that said, there are um, there are a lo- reading reviews online and from a lot of critics uh, that I know and like. A. O. Scott in particular, um, they had really positive things to say it's about quite good reviews um, about the Alien Covenant. And so I was interested in engaging in a conversation with Colin Burnett here about um, what's going on with the Alien Covenant. <laughs> That's a long introduction. That's a, that is a long introduction. Everything I do is that way. Is, I think between well, both of us. yeah, yeah. Um, what is going on with Alien Covenant? I think, uh, well, here's, here's the gist of why I like it. I actually think it's a very, uh, it, it could look, I mean, this, this summer hasn't been all that great in terms of the blockbusters, uh, in terms of what they, I mean, you know, Baywatch, the mummy, um, some other decent stuff coming along the line, war for the planet of the apes. I have a great deal of admiration for that franchise. And I think it's one of those sleeper franchises in a way that always has the best movie of the summer, but really people, it makes enough money to keep going along, but people don't give it the praise that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that we're bound to get that. Uh, but I do think that Alien Covenant will end up being one of the better blockbusters of this summer. Okay, so the question is, why do I think that? Um, not many people apparently agree with me. Uh, they, uh, compared to Prometheus, which made $400 million in global box office, this has only made 182 so far. So I think that there's a question whether or not this franchise is actually going to continue. Right. Uh, who knows? Uh, what I like about it is the world, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that the the first Alien movie is a fantastic sci-fi horror. The second one 
Cameron came along and sort of the screenwriters and said, well, we can't just duplicate that. So let's expand this world and rewrite it as a kind of militarized world. It's a war movie, the second one, Mm -hmm. in many ways. The third one, I'm not sure added all that much. Mm. And we can get back to that. Alien Resurrection, I think for all its flaws and all its Genet-isms, the director, it... Um, I think it adds this really interesting component of genetic manipulation. So what this movie does is take that, and uh, Scott and his screenwriters work together to to make that a central aspect of, well, what's the cause of this whole world? Who is the real monster here? And the series real monster is not the alien. It's actually David. So it it is, is, so what I see... Here is obviously this is the origin story of, of Alien, and you can like it along those lines or dislike it along those lines. This movie does not stand alone. I think that irritates a lot of people. A lot of people mm. were irritated by Prometheus because it didn't stand alone and seemed to have some choppy parts, which I think in retrospect now kind of makes sense. Right. Um, it, 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 in a way, Covenant is a kind of recuperation of, of Prometheus and some of its flaws, although those flaws are, remain there. Um, when I say it doesn't stand alone, I think it, you know, Covenant is just a piece of a larger puzzle, and we're working toward answers to some fundamental questions and uh, along those lines. So you have to be invested in the world already, it seems mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. and have to be willing. I, you know, I've told this to everyone who went to see Covenant. You got to rewatch Prometheus, even if you yeah. didn't like. To get For the sure. most of Covenant, absolutely. Yeah. All the way through things like the the theme song in Prometheus. If you really score, it's a great score. Comes back, yeah. It comes back, and David has written that theme song mm-hmm. uh, in tribute to Elizabeth, in a kind of grotesque tribute to to Shaw, Doctor Shaw. Um, these little things, if you don't pay attention, I think they reward fan appreciation, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I think the the scene where we see David come back to the planet where the engineers are, and uh, they all get killed that wouldn't make any sense if you hadn't seen prometheus you know what what's happening there yeah or, or why why that is possible you know what i mean right 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 um so i would say this movie is engaged in kind of myth making or world building in many ways mm-hmm. but it's also offers us i think one of the great characters in contemporary blockbuster movies david is just turning into this amazing science fiction character that's not really anything new um he's a He's just a kind of cyborg character, robotic character that uh, ends up being a classic science fiction type, the mad scientist who ends up creating something that ends up hurting humanity. I mean, if, if, if so I like the way it plays with that central or that basic sci-fi premise. Uh, I also like David, the layers of David. I mean, if he's a monster, he's a monster in the classic sense of being a kind of hybrid or fusion of all these things that don't sit together well. Uh, And that's what the Alien franchise in many ways is. It's a kind of monster franchise, right, that makes you feel kind of icky and and feel the the horrifying and sense that as well. So David, for instance, is, you know, portrayed by Michael Fassbender, just an actor who you just want to watch on screen in many ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, he performs genocidal murder on the engineer's home planet, just wipes them out. And that's, that's part of you know, the way that he's portrayed. He's also portrayed as being sexually fluid in interesting ways that are kind of hinted at 
um, even to the point of incest, where he flirts with his brother, uh, yeah. Walter, and yeah. even says, I'm going to do the fingering on him. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of interesting play on sexuality that, that I think harkens back to the original alien in, I'm talking about the xenomorphs here, the actual alien mm. creature, which is genderless, a kind of mix of male and female in the, yeah. in the, in the first movie. Uh, you could, I could build on this. He indulges in fratricide. He murders uh, Dr. Shaw and then performs kind of, obviously, these, these uh, experiments on her anatomy and then memorialize them in these like ghastly sexualized drawings of her body. He's, I think, a fascinating character that explores the kind of meeting point between horror and science fiction in, in interesting ways. I think on that alone, the movie's well worth seeing. So I could defend it under the terms, but uh, that'll be yeah. the opening salvo, if you like. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that section. And I think I was just trying really hard to pull things out of that section with David and then Walter, I think is the, is the yeah. other Android, um, his sort of brother. And, and I think that was a, f a fascinating aspect of that. And, and the sort of switch we see in him becoming this villain. And, and I really do like the, the way that you're framing this as sort of a mad scientist and the tie back that you made to alien resurrection with the experimentation and, and maybe saying something about that this was a preview of where humanity would go, you know, if left to, to certain devices, that they would also follow this path of experimentation and, and, and losing sort of their morality as well. But I just think for me, like what was circling <laughs> that relationship of the, of the androids was yeah. so poorly written and constructed and not and what I'd heard about the film is like, well, at least it's a good sort of like alien horror type film um, where we see these characters sort of stalked by the aliens. And I was just not scared or, sus you know, didn't have suspense for me or that interesting of sort of deaths or whatever you want to call it. So it didn't even have sort of entertainment value for me on that mm. aspect. And and well, for me, Prometheus was at least like visually... Um, it just seemed to have more care taken with the visuals in Prometheus and the atmosphere, even though, I don't know, my favorite part of some of the Aliens movies is that first section where they kind of go to this planet and discover a ship and are exploring it. I love that stuff, but I think it just yeah. kind of went, went downhill for me um, after yeah. that point. On LV-426. Yeah, the, the, um, uh, the uh, let me get back to that point because I think you make a good one. Uh, what surrounds David or surrounds those mm -hmm. scenes? Yeah. Um, you mentioned before you, you, that you, you find them stupid characters and so on. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's right. I think that that's actually the way they're written. Mm -hmm. Now, it may not be executed well, but I think there's a concept here at work. Yeah. Now, I haven't done any particular – I haven't looked into any interviews with Ridley Scott or anything, and mm -hmm. I doubt he talked much about this. Yeah. But my hunch is this. If this is an origin story, I think what he wants is a naive humanity. Mm. People who have simple emotions, simple ambitions, who are wide-eyed, who want to gauge in terraforming, who just want to raise a couple and build a, a, um, a log cabin to live in. Mm -hmm. And then what, what you're seeing, what you will possibly see as these go on, if they do go on, is you'll arrive at the world that Ripley lives in, where it's mm -hmm. mucky and filthy and everyone's jaded. Yeah. Um, he, in a sense, he's t he is 
not only developing the Fassbender character, but David, but he's also developing the human characters around them. And you can even trace that through the character of Danny, who's the eventually the captain of the ship, who starts off very naive. Yeah. Uh, of course, she's surviving. She's living through the trauma uh, of you know the, her dead husband. Who it was one of the most amazing kill-offs in the history of movies, where we didn't actually have to see <laughs> Franco. <laughs> right, which yeah. is an, an odd casting choice to me, but um, I mean, I guess yeah. he stands out for his very brief sort of flashback. But yeah, I mean, he he's beaten out uh, Samuel L. Jackson in in uh, <laughs> Blue Sea, if you remember that one. Yeah. Or was it Deep Sea? Yeah, that's right. Deep it's the Blue Sea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's the way I see that. Now, I, I'm not trying to convince you that, oh, well, you ought to have felt differently about it. You felt mm-hmm. what you felt. I yeah. do think though, there's a philosophy or a concept here that they're working through, and it may seem clunky right now. Unfortunately, you know, the way franchises are working, a lot of these franchises are having this kind of in a wait-and-see type posture. Hmm. Things will make sense over time. If you remember yeah. all the criticism about Quantum of Solace, when I saw it, I thought, this is a piece of a larger puzzle, and eventually it'll fit in. But, um. Well, I mean, my, the, the most uh, sort of sympathetic way I – to be most sympathetic in my experience in watching the film, there was a, a point sort of later on when um, uh, David sort of uh, tricks, not very cleverly, the, the, the religious captain of the ship to get like – you know, to get him – to get – the alien inside of him, and then right. and there's a, a really it's, it's a highlighted scene where the alien comes out of his stomach and he stands up and he's translucent with these bones, and he gazes at David and David gazes at him and there's a lot of dramatic <laughs> music, um, and what I realized is just that like I just wasn't getting it, like this was clearly <laughs> important and 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 I was like oh like they're Something's really they're really that. telling me something and I do not I'm not entirely sure what that is. Um, but it was it was it was at that point that I was like, oh, like uh, I you know I some of the things that I viewed as bad I think were just uh, they just didn't effectively communicate to me what I think uh, I, I like I wasn't picking up the message that I think they were working on because mm-hmm. um, there was like when I was watching it um, like like all of the particularly like when they when they first go to the planet. And then um, the one male character gets infected with the alien. He's vomiting up blood, and then the the other woman is bringing him back to the ship. Um, there was a point where I'm like, okay, you know, like um, uh, I remember that part in Prometheus where there's quarantine and there's some like moral difficult moral choices there. I'm like, oh, so we're gonna go there. Um, and when when she lets them in and says like, just don't touch anything, I was like, oh my, um, that is not, I think, how anyone hired to do this job would do that. Um, and then I just, I like when, when the woman goes in there and falls on the blood and then the, the other, the other woman goes in there with a shotgun and like slips on the same blood and like, that's how, and blows up the ship. I was like, Whoa, I don't, I don't know that I can really watch this. Um, it seems like the script writers really want the people to stay on this planet. Um, and I was, and I was, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what meaning to make out of the, um, the what appeared to be almost slapstick behavior of the people. Sure. Um, but I mean, I think that um, uh, your point about like uh, portraying a childish, naive humanity—it certainly has that effect. Like, the, I mean, my imp- impression of those folks um, as representatives of humanity is like, man, you guys are not equipped. 
to handle um, this, you know, because because I, I know this planet because it's very clearly the planet from Prometheus. Like I, you you have you are no way prepared to handle the enormity of the stuff you are about to encounter here. Yeah. And, I, um, and I tried to justify to myself the the way these characters acted. If we think of it, you know, the first Alien film is portrayed a lot of times as like a slasher film, um, sort of almost this haunted house slasher film. And so I heard this one was more most similar in tone to that original so i i did think through you know when we do watch horror films or even like teenage you know the classic slasher films the the characters do act very stupidly and they do stupid things and they get some killed and also the scene jeremy was talking about of coming back to the ship and they should really quarantine things i i was trying to view it as in that moment facing something so unknown certainly people will do stupid things and make mistakes and so maybe that's what they were trying to to portray that you know yes these people are sort of trained but they're not you know what would what would actually happen in the face of of something like that that you can't really control in any way but um i don't i don't know if if you viewed it that way colin or what you took um, from it, but yeah I, it sounds like you guys wanted um life did you did you guys see life I did not. I hear. I heard it was an alien ripoff. So no, I haven't but. seen it. <laughs> um, yeah, did you, um, did you hi- like that film? Yeah, highly. So I won't go into much detail. I'd say highly yeah. recommended. Oh, okay. uh, it, it, it is an alien ripoff, absolutely. But mm. um, as a kind of pastiche of it, yeah. you it, it it you you kind of lose that sense as the movie goes along, because you start to feel that wrench in your stomach, twisting it about. That you mm-hmm. felt in the first Alien movie, hmm. uh, which I or yeah. I felt that I associated yeah. with it, where you you this again this gut wrenching effect, uh, very simple Alien. I won't go into what it is because it will give it away, and how it can have effects on the human body. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's the kind of react the kind of reaction you wanted. Uh, I in a sense understand it because it's a really yeah. great kind of feeling and movies rarely do it that well it's yeah. clear though that that ridley scott for better or worse wasn't going for that yeah mm-hmm. um, well the, there there is a um if i shift my my uh experience in another level as i'm like watching the beginning of the film um i see the shape of the spaceship that they're traveling on I see that there are some people that are sleeping and some people that are not. I'm, I'm immediately thinking of a whole lot of things, right? I'm thinking of 2001 A Space Odyssey and the resonance with that is good. I'm like, oh, because there's – I mean there's a, there's a boldness that like – you know, there aren't there – aren't, there, there are certainly a number of sci-fi franchises in the world. But like it's not, it's not like billions, right? So when, you're, when you take that visual style um, and make it look like that, I think you're clearly referencing it. And, 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 and for me, that's like – um, it's a bold choice. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I- I'm going to make a film that uh, is totally going to look like 2001 and have deep resonance with it at the very beginning. Because I'm, I'm Ridley fucking Scott, all right? Um, and so – and like th- that for me is like, oh, like he's taken a really strong step to say the film you're about to watch is on the vanguard of science fiction ideas because I'm, I'm going to take a lot of different elements from alien stuff that I made, alien stuff that I like – other sci-fi films, other things in the genre, and I'm going to tell you uh, – I'm going to say some really interesting and powerful things about the future, about science, about humanity in this film. Um, and, and, and I think from what you're saying, 
And I think it's true that in, in watching the David character, there was there's so much fascinating stuff. Like I mean, I like particularly when we get to see his drawings, like that was yeah. probably by far the most interesting part of the film. And I think when I look at the film, I mean, if I take if we if I if you just took like say you watched the movie Prometheus, and then you and then you just saw. The, the what the ten seconds where David uh, unleashes the virus on the um, the architects, and you show the scene of him in the room, you know, uh, where these pictures are revealed, that would be tremendously fascinating. Um, and like like when when he was in the room, you know, with Danny, mm-hmm. um, the minute they started fighting, I'm like, ah, darn it! Like I wanted monologue. Like I wanted <laughs> like I've been waiting. Tell me about it, David. Like just just. Let me see the depth of your depravity. Spell it out for me. Um, but it was, but it was very sparse. We saw glimpses, I think, of the of the the, the depths of his craziness. Um, which, I mean, if it were surrounded by, if what that was surrounded by in the film was sort of like a some sort of tension filled thing or some contemplative stuff, I would I would be more interested in it. But what, but I guess what. Eli said that what surrounds it is like crazy weirdo alien action um, that just like I don't it, it's it's almost like they're they're two different films like there's this business with David um, and then there's all, this crew which is I don't even like they're the only the only purpose they really seem to serve is to provide David a way of getting off of this planet. Um, and I, that's right. Do you think I think it's interesting that. Uh, and maybe why it's especially Alien Covenant isn't connecting with audiences, at least financially, is that Ridley Scott, at least at this point in his career, is interested in these other sci-fi, philosophical, religious ideas. And he's sort of um, injecting that into the Alien franchise and bring it yeah. back. And that's not what audiences are looking for in, in an Alien film. Um, even though I think this one had lots of, you know, yeah. gore or whatever, but I think <coughs> he, he might be confusing his audiences and that's not to say me necessarily. Cause I, I think what I am getting out of Prometheus and Covenant is enjoying these sci-fi questions. Um, personally, I thought it was a better balance in Prometheus, but, um, but that was me. Yeah. And I mean, and for me, like, um, like the fine, the, I think it's clearly a better film than Prometheus. I mean, I understand they're sort of like together telling a story, but like Prometheus, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but Covenant, I, I mean, like I had, you know, I clearly have issues with it, but like I thought it was clearly a better film. And it, it, it's surprising to me that it's not doing nearly as well. And mm-hmm. I, like I, that that is surprising to me. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked at that too. I would have expected it to do better given how much, I mean, you mentioned to to any of your you know, uh, film buff friends. You mentioned even just the word Prometheus, and you get this glare. I mean, right, people yeah. start people start hurling themselves around in their seats, <laughs> responding very, very physically uh, to it. I, for that reason, I thought, okay, great. I mean, Covenant seems to have some of the things that people would want to see. Uh, so I'm at a loss to explain. Uh, why it's not doing successful at the, well at the Boston? Well, not in a total loss. I'll just say yeah. it's unfortunate that it's it's doing so poorly. Let me venture a guess, though. I think you're right about the mixed signaling. I think that people, on the one hand, people have this nostalgia for Alien. Mm, I mean, Alien, yeah. Alien, in a sense, discovered a new way of doing things, mm. and and created a kind of subgenre. Um, and now some might say, okay, well, there are predecessors to this, and I grant that. 
but it was definitely at least popularized a certain kind of uh, um, horror sci-fi movie. It seems to have been an originator, though. Yeah, None I of think these, like, like, like a, yeah. generationally, Alien was the first one many of us saw. So Correct. even if other films existed, like you know, we or our older brothers saw it in a theater. <laughs> we saw it at home on VHS. Right. It was the first one that we saw. Yeah, this uh, Covenant and, and Prometheus are summer blockbusters. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to attract mass audiences. Certainly, with the budgets that they've got, they have to to pay mm-hmm. to pay back, to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's for that reason the movies are being pulled in multiple directions. And I think with Alien Covenant, the calculation was okay. You've got Michael Fassbender. Let's just turn this into the Michael Fassbender show, and that will be enough to draw people in. I'm not yeah. sure that Fassbender has that star power. To be honest. <laughs> As great an actor as he is, here's the other thing. The the promotional campaign for both of these movies has been peculiar. Yeah. They've done things that I personally find interesting as someone who studies franchises. So I'm interested as a kind of industrial phenomenon or cultural phenomenon. But I don't think it's lighting a fire at all. And they're doing a lot of stuff like these prologues, which were shot by um, Ridley Scott's son, which I think are actually very, very good. Uh, in terms of fattening up the characters, so when I said that this movie is not standalone, it's piece of a puzzle, in many ways you have to watch the prologues to get more of the characterization. Uh, in fact, there's a gay couple, which you see fleetingly in the movie, they're given more screen time in some of these prologues. So it, uh, I think the expectation is that people will watch those and bring their their sense of this or their commitment to these things to the movie itself, and it's not working. The other thing that they're doing, which is fascinating, is this Wayland Industries website, which they created yeah, for Atheists. Yeah. I don't know if you visited it, but it's like you can apply for jobs in Wayland Industries. There's the TED Talks that Wayland himself gives. So there, it's a world-building project that may not be doing this right mm-hmm. or may be slightly ahead of its time, uh, but one way or another, it's not connecting. Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually had a short discussion on viral marketing, and huh. with with Alien, well, Prometheus and Covenant as kind of the center point. But I think the they did make a commercial for Walter for the new film, but right. actually the, the ones for David for Prometheus. I don't know if you've seen those sort of commercials. Yes, um, I think are just like brilliant, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and amazing, uh, and some of the best part and. And I don't, and some maybe this is some of my own nostalgia um, leaking in, but I I guess I mean Ridley Scott is probably one of my favorite filmmakers because of Alien and Blade Runner um, mm-hmm. means so much to me. But what I was disappointed in, and certainly that's a long distance between those films for him as a filmmaker, but they have a certain tone and feel. Yeah. that is more thoughtful in the filmmaking. And I think he's he's an amazing craftsman these days and can pull off these blockbusters easier than about anybody. But right. it, it didn't... Um, I just wanted to see the ideas that were be, being presented in the film accompanied by this, this um, kind of tonal, uh, emotional filmmaking as well that... That whether it's, you know, he's trying, the studio or him is trying to go from a blockbuster feel or he's just moved on from that as a filmmaker. But um, I wish, I guess just those things were, were melded more compared to it. Not necessarily wanting the first Alien film again, but just wanting that 
um, to bring back that tone that he used to use in those early well, films. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, as a film academic, I tend to like to study the history of movies as a history of problem solving. Mm. So, and at the local level or a grander level. So when you arrive on yeah. the set, the filmmaker has to solve some problems. So I've got, I've got wind blowing into the mic. <laughs> I've, got, right. I've got certain kind of lighting that I don't want, but I've got to shoot. So all these things, technical problems that need to be solved. In a grander level, I think the Alien franchise has posed a problem. How do you follow up a movie like that? Yeah. And it seems like the solution has been, and this is the point I'm trying to carry here, but trying to rephrase it over and over, is the idea that you have to add to the world. You have to build. And that's what Cameron did by adding some sizzle with the war stuff and so on and so forth. And it seems like Ridley Scott has resolved that that's the same thing. So turn Alien into a world-building endeavor, which, you know, again, it comes with its problems. But yeah. I, think now, I think for now, what I'd say to your listeners is, hold off. Let's see if he's got apparently four or five other scripts in the drawer. <laughs> and right. see where it goes. And maybe once we get the full picture and you sit down and watch them all back to back, you'll be like, ah, now it works. Hmm. But it's a study in patience and in viewer patience and how franchises are expecting a great deal from viewers these days. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I, I'm still interested to see where it goes. I think I just had really high expectations um, going into Covenant, hearing the the positive reviews, which I wasn't necessarily expecting critics to kind of go for this film. Me neither. Um, and and so I was really excited and worked really hard watching it to try to, you know, legitimize it in my mind. And I, I just still couldn't had to admit that I, I didn't have that experience of it. And and I, I think after Prometheus, a lot of people realized that he was building something else, not just a standalone film, like you said. So I was excited going into it to see what would happen. But, but I mean, I, I'm willing to go with you and see what what comes next and, and what, what he is actually exploring uh, in these films as well. I, there was one more comment I wanted to make. It, I guess it's, it's in the category of complaints, but um, it's uh, one of the things that I uh, really liked about the first and second Alien, or Alien and Aliens, um, is, the, you know, it, is the, the way in which you know, uh, the, that Geiger art you know, was turned into these biomechanical creatures and how they moved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Jim Henson stuff. You know, I, I like. Oh yeah. Ali- I like that an alien. So much of that, they're like actual um, plasticine things that are moving around. There's a weight to them, and just in that final battle with the queen, like it's an actual thing. Like it's an animatronic thing, um, and the way the fire bends around it, the way the light hits it, like it's real and it's real serious. Um, and one of the things that I um, notice, you know, as alien films go on, you certainly you see it in um, Alien Three, Alien Resurrection, and in these new ones, is like that 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 biological form of the alien, the actual what the alien looks like, gets changed, um, and and the sort of like pale, small-mouthed, quasi-human things we see in Alien Resurrection, and we also see them as genetic variants in this new film. They're not interesting to me, and and part of mm-hmm. it, it it feels like the the like bold um, vision that Geiger had for this style of biological cyberpunk or whatever is just being kind of mixed in with a bunch of other stuff and through the magic of CGI we get something but it seems to have like diluted the the striking visual presentation of the original alien and that's something that I that I really love and I think that you know I mean looking at 
all the like alien memorabilia and all the junk. I mean, there's he the guy was like a, clearly like a talented artist and had a, like a fairly unique vision of this this visual representation of things. And I I just lament I guess um, that uh, it, it gets kind of watered down and mixed into I mean because like the aliens I mean you do get to see a couple classic scurrying large headed two mouthed aliens in Covenant, but there's also these other guys and you know these other genetic variations that show up that are just like so bland. I mean they're translucent white humanoid things that aren't inspiring or interesting to me. And I I lament again that um that that visual style, that visual element so key to the first one wasn't uh central in the newest one. I think um, you're absolutely right. I oh sorry. Oh, I, w- I was going to say, just like going along with that, I think part of my problem with not being scared or anything is that it was all CG, basically. And and certainly in the original Alien and probably Aliens 2, practically they hid the Alien because they couldn't produce the effect to the degree that they can with CG. But I think that hopefully Ridley Scott would realize that that's some of the power of those aliens too, is that in this, we just get like full reveals right away and there's no like mystery to them really. Um, and I think that would have added to the power and the fear of those aliens. And, and again, maybe that's, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have a better impact, but maybe that's not what he's going after either. Um, between them. I think I agree with both of you on those two last points. Um, on the point of the look of it, uh, I have to agree totally. I think part of the problem is when you take a lot of screen time for David, you're not using that screen time to sell us on the aliens. I mean, uh, that's a simple point, but I think it's it's worth making that they, you know, if they had spent more time with what are being called those neomorphs, the lighter skin ones, yeah, yeah. And, and giving us a sense of what they are, what they can do, what you know, just to spook us out, to play on, yeah. to pull on those simple strings, I think that they that would have been something. Well, it would have given you the payoff you were looking for, but they didn't have time for it. What I'd say is, uh, right now, Alien is a wider franchise than just the movies. I invite your listeners to just Google the cover art for a comic series called Aliens Dead Orbit. Hmm. And it's done by James uh, Stucco. And he is returning to that kind of um, biomechanical element where Hmm. you look at the ships that the characters are in and you feel like an alien could be lurking there. If there's just this feel of this this melding of mechanical and biological that that is I I think you're absolutely right being lost. Um, mm-hmm. As far as you know, some say that well okay, these are horror movies or at least in, at least in part. The first one was it's all mm-hmm. about space, it's yeah. all about concealment, it's all about creating emotions, basic emotions, and playing on them with that. I hope. That in the next one, if we get a next one, and again, I think that's in question, that Ridley Scott will find a different kind of space for these things. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that all we have now are ships and wide open planes. Yeah. And that's what we're getting consistently. And none of that is acting as a kind of creative spark for the filmmakers to explore these characters or explore the possibilities of horror anymore. It's gone. So maybe, maybe that's the task, to return to that kind of thing. And maybe he's working toward it. Who knows? But uh, or maybe he thinks it's been there, done that, and I don't have to prove myself in that regard anymore. But um, 
there is. I do have, do you have a small question for you guys? Um, just as uh, as an introduction to it uh, again, like I mentioned, the I think the actors in this were amazing. So I, again, I just wish. I mean, I've always Billy Crudup is one of my favorite actors who just doesn't get the roles he deserves. Uh, Amy Simitz, which was one of the more minor female characters, but she's a director in her own right and a really good actress in other films. And um, Danny McBride, who's really funny, but doesn't... I think he he did a fine acting job, but didn't get to be even, like, kind of humorous in this, which might have brought something to it, um, which were missed opportunities. But with Catherine Watterson, who kind of... Some people are saying is positioned as a new Ripley, but that's mm-hmm. also what they said about... Um, uh, the female character in Prometheus, which I, I can't remember her name right now. Um, but do you do you guys think that she is being set up as kind of a new leading character, or is it is she just kind of a a cog in the in the wheel of um, of the story? Also, well, I mean, the I, alien. Oh, go ahead. Uh, my response is pretty simple. Like, there's only one Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, they would. I, None of the char- none of the characters in the new film, I think, have have what it takes to be that kind of person. Mm. Um, even just, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm just nostalgic in that, like, because um, even the, the the role she plays in Avatar, like, she's a, yeah. a, a singular yeah. uh, f- physical presence Perfect, as a yeah. woman that has androgyny and a whole lot of other things going for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really hard to. Um, I, I guess what I, I guess what I would sort of come back at is like, why do we need another Ripley? Like, like, yeah. like, let's find. I mean, let's find somebody else interesting in this world. I was really intrigued by um, Winona Ryder in Resurrection. She turned out mm-hmm. to be an android, but um, I was really interested in that. Yeah, especially the scenes with Ripley. I thought those yeah. were. You know, they had potential mm-hmm. there. They didn't. They didn't investigate that enough. Um, yeah. So wait, what was the question again? Can you refresh my memory? I must be the brain must be just wearing out. If, uh, if the character of Danny, um, Catherine Watterson's character, was going, do you oh. think she'll continue as a major character? Or well, okay. So the if you think about it, the Alien franchise has a very piss poor record <laughs> in terms of in terms of uh, allowing female characters to survive between movies. Uh, right. Think of think of Newt, who was just mm-hmm. sort of killed off randomly. Uh, think of the new me. Uh, Rapace character Shaw, she's just killed off I have Mm -hmm. very little confidence that she's going to escape from her impending doom as an incubator I uh, really doubt it I hope so because then there's more intrigue but I think we're just moving on I think that's that's the case but you can't be two fast benders for the price of one (sighs) that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah, anything else you want to bring up, Colin, about the film? I mean, we, I, I could probably talk more about it, too, but anything important that you want to mention? Well, I'll say this. Um, if, if your listeners buy it, and these movies are about world building, and they're each part of a, they're a piece of a larger puzzle, mm-hmm. then think of the unanswered questions. I think that's the way Ridley Scott, I think to appreciate his art here and his storytelling, if we're going to do that, we should be on his wavelength. I think he's thinking in terms of unanswered questions. How am I going to yeah. get the viewers to the space jockey landing on the planet LV-427? Why yeah. is it that the space jockey has some of those eggs with the face huggers in it? We still don't have an answer. Uh, we don't know who's inside that suit. And I think he's probably building to that because fans will see that as a big payoff yeah. if it's worked out nicely. Um, 
And that's what I'd invite people to do. Consider the questions. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Colin. Yeah. Likewise.